All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Episode number 78. That's right, 22 more to go to episode 100 and the grand shenanigans. What are we going to call that event? Hmm. Shenanigans something. That would be maybe a good one. I don't know. Hmm. We'll figure it out. Anyway, we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode, episode 77 with Eliseo Garcia from Nora talking about their change into the rally raid side of things and going road books and how everybody uh, loved it. A lot of really cool stuff on there, especially to note uh, the safety side of it and how uh, how things have improved just by making that simple change of going to road books, getting together with people like Jimmy Lewis and Matthew Glade from Rally Motor Shop to make that happen. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. That was last week's In the Bivouac. Now it is time for this week's In the Bivouac. We are going to be in the bivouac. Let's see how many times we can say in the bivouac before the intro song is over. This time around, we are going to be with none other than Robert Mann from the Kansas City Rally Team or Freedom Rally Team. I don't know. We're going to find out a little bit more about what's going on and what they are doing back east and uh, travel underway. We see them in Baja quite often over on this coast. So... I don't know. Let's figure out. Uh, let's figure out what's going on here. So I'm in the background right now, getting that link ready for him. And then uh, we're gonna hit that one. We're gonna hit that one. And then I'm gonna go to this one. And then all sorts of fun stuff here. Running that intro music here as we're sending that over to him. So give you just a second. So how's everybody been doing? Hope everybody's been having fun getting their adventures in and, and riding and doing their thing. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get some more rally raid stuff here uh, going on soon. Still working on the routes, getting that stuff ready for the adventure raid stuff here in San Diego. Let's turn the party down a little bit. So looking forward to that one i think a lot of people are going to going to enjoy that so we'll see uh we'll see in the coming months once we get out of the summer weather because you know fair weather rider well it's you know it's not so bad here in san diego i think we do pretty uh i think we do pretty good all right sending the link here Let's see how we go. Jump in. We are live. I uh, don't want to scare him off. Telling him we're live, he might freak out. We are recording. All right. Jump back to the app there. There he is. Give me just a second here. Turn down the party. And let's turn up. Let's see. Robert, are you there? I am here. Hey, good morning. Victor. Yeah. Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay, so where exactly are you guys located? Because I was talking about that in the intro. I'm like, uh, I know they're back east somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We're actually in Kansas City. Sometimes I've uh, heard us referred to as the Kansas City Rally Team, but we are uh, the Kansas Rally Team and Freedom Rally Racing. All right. Okay, so that was it was interesting. Dave Pearson kind of made mention of that. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've been uh, been kind of deemed to have a little bit of an identity crisis, but it actually has a meaning. So uh, Freedom Rally Racing is the reboot of a previous Dakar support organization that had been developed out of the Kansas City area back in 2011 um, by Mike Stanfield and um, under support by Scott Spears, uh, who's with KTM. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that ran, that provided uh, rider support at the Dakar level from 2012 to 2016. And then, uh, unfortunately, Mike Stanfield passed away suddenly. Um, kind of at the end of that period, um, the the organization kind of faded at that point. Scott moved on, and the all of the equipment, the, the support equipment, went kind of underground, literally under the basement of uh, Freedom Cycles here in Kansas City until last December when I uh, approached the Stanfields um, about buying that uh, truck and rebooting the Freedom Rally name. So that's, uh, that's what we did. And then... Uh, kind of the the parallel goal was to provide not only paid rider support services but to also build kind of a crop of uh of young riders young guns and and you know bring the sport to other people so we we uh uh, came up with the kansas rally team concept actually uh luke valentine and matt ransom some friends of mine here in kansas city or in kansas had had come up with that so Kansas Rally Team are young riders that we support. Uh, Freedom Rally Racing are uh, riders that we support through the uh, the paid rider uh, organization. Okay. So hopefully that helps clear it up just a little bit. Uh, no, it does. And, uh, it, you know, after like looking at the names, I was like, okay, uh, I think this is actually what it is. And, and yeah, so spot on. So uh, yeah. Kansas Rally Team, that is that is the, the team. And then Freedom Rally Racing is more of a just – I don't want to say just, but is um, logistics support for rally racers who yeah, choose to sub- basically subscribe for it. That's right. And, you know, the Kansas rally team is a little bit tongue in cheek because there's basically no place to rally in Kansas. It's kind of akin to uh, being the Jamaican bobsled team and not really having a downhill. <laughs> so, so it, you know, we, we, we kind of use that as a little bit of a, 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 a like I said, tongue in cheek, but uh, we travel everywhere we go. So to get, to, for example, to get to Baja Sankatin, where I saw you last and back, looks like a caravan of vehicles and trailers and, uh, and spending a lot of gas to and fro. Uh, we just got back from the Tulip Festival in, uh, in Wyoming and uh, we're headed to Colorado this week to meet with the Kota guys. Uh, then we go back to Montrose. So we're, we're constantly going somewhere where, where rally is. Uh, we have to go to it at this point. At least. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, eventually we'll get to the point where we've got, you know, all the rallies here state statewide, you know, at least a couple of them. And then, uh, and then we, then we don't have to travel as far, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely talking about, you know, kind of a, a co-location down in, uh, you know, San Diego or uh, even uh, in Arizona, just kind of depending on what's most favorable. Um, we've got some things kind of spinning up around being involved in dealerships in key adventure and rally markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty exciting. So there's a lot of a lot of paths going on here um, within our rider groups. A couple of our paid riders, one of them. Uh, John Savanto is has a kind of a neat subplot story. He's writing a book uh, with uh, with rally as the backdrop to 
kind of, uh, well, this narrative of the story, and I'm going to pull up here some, some of my notes here to see what, uh, so he's got a book titled Manifesto Against Mediocrity that he's writing that's supposed to be released in Q1 of 24 that uses training through rally and the adventure of rally and ultimately his goal to be uh, on the Dakar stage, uh, to go to Dakar, mm-hmm. uh, as the backdrop for this story. So there, there's a lot in, in the young writers on the Kansas rally team side, lo- lots of different uh, kind of plots uh, simultaneously happening here. Nice. Well, and that's yeah. good. I mean, and that's, you know, everybody, that means that everybody is an active member, you know, uh, in one way, shape or form in, in helping promote the sport. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to get people like Dave Pearson uh, more involved, which I I think here in very short order will happen. Uh, Guys like Mo Hart, yourself, you know, anybody that's got the enthusiasm or been bitten by the rally bug. You know, there's there's definitely a place, you know, there's there's only so much money to go around at this point. But certainly the people that are critical to the team, uh, you know, we want to be able to provide a financial contribution to them um, make it worth people's time for some of us that are, you know have had you know you know good fortune along the way you know grown and sold businesses etc we can kind of give back through this it's a good conduit for that mm-hmm. and for those who are up and coming who you know people like mason klein or anybody that you know has has the enthusiasm and the drive for being in the big show it I hate to see money and kind of the, the obstacles being the obstacle. And, and I think there's ways to facilitate that. You know, we put in over $300,000 worth of gear and equipment just in the last 12 months, just to make that possible. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and really with no expectation that there's a return on investment more so than just facilitating a path for young riders being the farm team for rally in the U S. Yeah. And, and I mean, and you guys have done a, a stellar job at it. I mean, everybody, I was actually just, uh, doing an interview with, uh, Tony, pa- Tony Palandrani last week or this week. Uh, and we were talking and, and he mentioned that, you know, that you guys, that rig that you guys have is completely set up. Everything was just there, you know, everything that he needed, uh, and more. So it was really cool, you know, to hear yeah. that and that what you guys yeah. are doing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, we've got spare motors on that truck. We've got everything basically to rebuild a bike, you know, in event. We haven't really been challenged by the long moving bivouac events quite yet. Mm-hmm. Our biggest event was the the Tulip Festival in Wyoming a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We had 23 people in our group. We had 13 riders, which was, you know, probably twice as many as we ever anticipated for that. But they just keep kept coming at us. Um, we've got 10 bikes in our fleet, uh, mm-hmm. including an RFR, um, and the Kota rally. I'm very excited about this. There's been a press release that's gone out. I don't know if it's hit the airwaves quite yet, but basically Kota, um, you know, it's a one rider, one bike event. However, they've invited us to come in a couple days early for anybody that's doing that event that, you know, wants some final bike prep help getting ready for the event. We'll be there for that. We can actually do wrenching before the event, uh, help you get your rally comp set up, et cetera. And then once the event starts, you're on your own, but we will be at each stage of the event in the evening with tools and kind of, you know, emotional support or however we can help, you know, hand you tools or whatever. Um, So that's exciting. And that, you know, that's a clear indication that the path forward for Kota is to probably open that up to more support. And um, we just want to be there along the way to, to help support any way we can. Oh yeah. No. And I, and I, I did see the press release and I was like, okay, this is big news. And I was definitely a subject for today. Um, yeah. it, but I mean that 
having that support. So the Kotar rally, I mean, you know, he's, he's really focused. Mike over there is really focused on uh, a, I think it was that Hellas rally where he kind of based it off of, but it really it's a Malimoto style. You know, you, every, you were a hundred percent dependent on yourself. That's right. But to have something like what you guys are doing, there's, there's stuff that can't be accounted for. And it sounds like that's where you guys are going to step in. That's right. Yeah. The truck will be right there at each camp each night. I think there's one night where we logistically can't get to the riders. Uh, so that one will be, uh, you know, you'll be on your own that evening, but every other night, you know, if you need a clutch cable or if you need a particular wrench or something that can be addressed in the field, uh, we'll be there and, uh, uh, able to hand it to you. We can't do any of the work as part of the, mm-hmm. the, the rules of the event, which frankly makes this event, you know, very unique and very attractive for those that are really, you know, looking to kind of step up their game. And if you have to change a, a tube, you have to change a tube or, you know, do your own wrenching. Um, I, I would like to see this, that event because Mike has, has gotten the kind of the good housekeeping seal of approval for uh, from AMA, gotten it insured and other things to kind of legitimize it. That that really starts to kind of unfurl the possibility of us having a much larger, more attractive event here in the U.S. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And that was something that we talked about. I told him, I'm like, dude, you, you just laid out the groundwork. You made it. You took the hardest part of this whole thing and created. I mean, you basically you created the recipe. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see on the way, you know, the way forward. And I think you're right, you know, that they're opening it up. This is like the next step. And yeah, maybe not next year, but the year after, uh, we start to see more support crew, uh, or not, or more supported rider and supported yeah. meaning family, you know, right. Having their family there. And I, I think that's the big thing. And that's like what I've seen at the Sonora rally. And I've seen at Baja rally is like, there's, there's teams, right. And, but a, a vast majority of everybody's just family, you know, they're just right. there with buddies and, you know, just hanging out. And I think that's a very important thing to continue to carry on. Yeah. For, for me, it's actually literally family as well. Um, so my, my young son is actually my oldest of three sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griffin is 15 um, and he's not even eligible to enter Sonora, but he's, he, we put him out there on the, on the trail. He does some of the Nevada events. He did, uh, he did the uh, Wyoming ride and uh, he's, very enthusiastic about kind of moving on and advancing in the sport, but more so on the business and kind of the growth of rally support. Um, and, you know, I've got a, a son who loves to cook and, you know, to be there in the, in the camp and to help uh, be the chef for the riders and other things. So we're, we're really pulling it together. Like I said, with nice. as many kind of friends and family as we can, as we can bring into this. Yeah, no. And that's great. I mean, and that's, you know, again, it, it adds to the cohesion, cohesion of the team you know, having, if everybody knows everybody, everybody's cool with everybody. I mean, it's cause there's some days that, that the riders will experience. Yes, absolutely. And, and we've had some of those. We had, we had a DNF at, uh, at, um, Yellowstone or at the uh, Tula festival there that, you know, was just due to, to a mechanical and, and, uh, was unrecoverable at, at that particular event, at least for that rider. And, um, you know, we, we know we're going to face adversity. We, we haven't hit the big challenge yet, which will be the Sonora for us this year. Uh, we've got, I, I believe at this point, four or five supported riders for that event and a couple of paid flying riders, um, so that'll, that'll be the real test. And, um, yeah, so super excited about that. So we're doing that. We're doing, uh, Kota, Sonora, uh, we'll be at Baja six days. Um, and I think maybe the December Baja and that rounds out our year. And then we're 
kind of slated for next year to be at six events. Um, if you ask me what all of those are, I'll do my best to remember, but kind of the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think early in the year, we're going to try to get the SoCal back together, if, if I'm hearing things right, um, then moving into, depending on where Sonora fits into the schedule next year, if they do a, a spring or fall or both, uh, we'd have that one. Um, and then, uh, of course, the, the Baja events uh, back down uh, in the Baja. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we at this point, we have enough to keep everybody busy with rally yeah. for the year, whether yeah. it's training or an actual rally race. So yeah. speaking of which, where where did all of this start for you? Yeah. I mean, we know well, the rally team and we know, but, but where did you get started? Yeah. I mean, personally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastic on the business development side. I, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been for, for pretty much all of my professional life. Um, Luke Valentine here, uh, in the Kansas city area is actually up in Manhattan, Kansas, where Kansas state university is. He's a French guy who grew up in France, having the Dakar rally, uh, kind of skirt by his homeland in his, in his town. Uh, he came over here as a, as a college student and then professor at K state. He and I met on the trail and, uh, he, he planted the bug with me. Um, and then he just kept nudging me and nudging me to sell my business or at least cash out enough of it to, to help rally and, Finally, we did that. And uh, so that was, like I said, late last year. So Luke's been in, in the rally world for quite a bit longer than I have, probably eight or 10 years. Um, and then he's got a crew of guys that he helped support before I came along that he was calling the Kansas rally team. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of played off that, grew up from there. And uh, um, uh, we've got a lot of really strong Kansas contributors to the sport. So, so Bulletproof Designs, Bike Graphics, there's some... Uh, counter shocks, Nathan Looney. There's some products and, and, and motorcycle organizations here in Kansas city. that are all very enthusiastic around, uh, rally. So me personally, always been a dirt bike rider. I've been, uh, I, I joke that I've been running from, from the police down railroad tracks for many, many years on my dirt bike, which is, which is true on multiple levels. Uh, <laughs> That, that's probably my, my biggest, you know, I'm not an ISDE gold medalist or anything like that, but I, I really, at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I thrive on the personal aspiration to enable the goals and dreams of other people. And in turn, mine are enabled as well. It's, it's, it's more kind of a benevolency and altruistic uh, look at things. And I just have the bug on rally. So um, that's, that's really from whence this all comes. Nice. Nice. And I mean, and how many, um, you've been riding dirt bikes forever. So how many events and, and where, what was your first event for, for rally? When did you discover it? Yeah, it, it would probably be a, uh, I, I can't remember exactly if it was SoCal or Yellowstone, but those two, I kind of put on the same, uh, parody as far as well, uh, run or well developed, uh, road books for events, those are the two I honestly I look forward to the most. I'm I'm not particularly enthusiastic about you know dune hopping or anything like that. I'll let I'll let the younger riders do that. I've done Sonora School, not the event itself, um, but yeah, I, I like what Dan Bartolucci does uh, for for SoCal, the SoCal event, Prump Rally. You know Scott Scott Bright and Scott Bloom and those guys have put together some great events. Uh, it's just you know, there's there's so many uh, honestly, but Luke and I Luke drugged me to to Dumont Dunes first. That was really where this all began. Oh man, it made made you go chase waypoints in the dunes. Yes, yes, that, that, <laughs> that, that is not the time. business. <laughs> dunes are not fun. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It, it, you know, we slept in divvy tents on the ground. I mean, we did it full full legit style. So nice. the, the, you know, we could kind of see how how it all went down. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, so. It's a fun journey. 
roughed it for a little bit. And speaking of which, so uh, at the San Quintin event, I spotted you on uh, 500, but then I think it was the last day out, you took the RFR out. Correct. What? Yep. I mean, that's that's like the perfect because I've always been curious, you know, like how the RFRs are versus, you know, basically a prepped 500 EXC. What, what was that like? What what do you notice right away on the RFR versus the others? Yeah. You, so so a little stronger writer than I wrote it actually in Wyoming. And the comment was basically it, it kind of extends your your duration, extends your stamina power, your staying power to, to go fast for longer periods of time. The suspension and the setup of the bike, you know, soaks up a lot of the small stuff, the chatter. So, so your your fatigue is much lower. You can go faster. Now, in that particular event, it was um, it was a situation where in Wyoming, it's not as great for the for the technical, more enduro style riding, mm-hmm. uh, but for the stretchier stuff like Baja San Quentin, it was perfect because it's fast and flowy, does well in the dunes. Mm-hmm. So, it's the right bike for more open terrain. It's it's not as as well suited because of its heaviness and bulkiness for the for the tighter stuff. For the tighter stuff, okay. So, so it's like. For most events, like what I'm hearing is probably like, say, Kota, uh, Wyoming Tulip Festival, those kind of events, a 500 EXC with a rally light setup is probably yep. going to be the weapon of choice. Exactly. That's right. And there were even guys on two strokes um, out at uh, out of Wyoming, which almost to me was almost even even better set up, just uh, given at least one of the particular days where things got, got pretty tight. See, I've always see this. You don't really see two stroke out there as far as rally bikes go but i've always been kind of curious of it because it's like a super light bike and my only thing is the fuel mileage that would be my main concern yeah they they had some hacks on there with extended range tanks um and and if you don't know the story of luis balistuegi um he from i believe it was 2012 he did the dakar on a 125 two-stroke (laughs) <laughs> so there there are stories out there of people you know really pushing those things to their to their limit you yeah. know they were changing motors you know during the event and whatnot but uh, anyway it can be yeah. done uh, that's kind of an extreme example of uh yeah yeah and i'm just thinking okay well 125 maybe that sucks a little bit less gas but i mean you know i've i've seen it before i mean i've seen the lowermergs out of uh out of texas doing it on on two strokes and yeah. I mean, and they're basically their comment was just stay out of it. You know, don't as long as you're not gunning it, you can get right. mileage out of them. And yep. so I'm like, yeah. exactly. but then, you know, so then I think I'm like, OK, well, but the cool part is, is that they're super light. You know, yes. Yeah. Not as fatiguing. So for our particular organization, we're, what we're going to do. So we've got 10 bikes in fleet now, ranging from 450, even an SX that's been modded with a six gear ad mm-hmm. all the way up. To the RFR, we've got some 500s uh, from KTM, some 501s, and so we kind of threw everything into the mix. We've distilled it down to being that the Husky 501 is the platform of choice on the on the rally lights, and of course the RFR um, would be for the uh, uh, for the big bikes. So that that's probably where we're going to go in the next two years is to refresh our fleet, to, you know, with probably a f- emphasis towards the 501s. Though Husky's got a uh, got, got a close course version of the 450 now that's that's not choked that uh, apparently is coming out as well. So. Nice. How, uh, tell, yep. tell me about that decision to, to go down to the, I'm, I'm, I'm fond of the 501 cause I've got one sitting in the garage, even though yep. it's a 2016, but how did you guys drill down to the 501 being the platform? 
Well, so so these young riders, these young guns that are that are already fast in other formats. Uh, so on our team, we've got a five or six, depending on kind of the day of the week, uh, these young guys that already have enduro experience, fast bike experience. Um, so we've stuck them all on the bikes. Um, and so Nick, Alec, uh, uh, Bronner and Zach Bronner here in Kansas, all, you know, top performing double A, uh, riders on in enduro and desert have been on all of them. They, they helped us vet it, uh, vet it out. Matt Ransom, who's run Sonora, Tyler Hackney, um, even Luke. So Luke, uh, his, his bike of choice from the beginning has been the Husky 501. It, it really, it, I think there are multiple, uh, factors in play there. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, uh, kind of cringe stories of the suspension, the swing arms cracking. We haven't had that problem. So we're, you know, everything else has suited up perfectly for that bike. Um, but like I said, we haven't had that mechanical issue. For us, we've standardizing the fleet is really important, though, obviously moving parts from one bike to the next. So we really just kind of have to pick a platform and, and kind of go with it. Gotcha. Yeah. And I've, and I've heard, you know, I haven't heard anything about the swing arms cracking and all that. But, I, you know, part of me thinks like, OK, well, it really depends on the type of racing that you're doing with it. And rally wise tends to be a little less rough and demanding as like some of the hard enduro stuff or even the Baja stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. even the, the rallies down in Baja don't traditionally take the same Baja roads that you would see that are all clapped out. Right. So uh, for us, the, the, the most volatile or, or vulnerable part of the bike is the, is the rally navigation tower itself. Mm-hmm. And so we standardize on the uh, RMS uh, Sonora towers, those things have been bulletproof, though we finally did break one. Apparently, we were the first one to break one um, a couple weeks ago uh, at the Tulip Festival. Um, Matthew Glade was awesome, got us a replacement right away. Um, but uh, it took a pretty hard smack, but but none of the nav equipment itself was damaged, which is exactly what, yeah. what we hope to see happen in, in that yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah, zip ties, duct tape, and safety wall safety wire will get you to the end of the stage but if your navigation equipment is not is not functioning that will not get you to the end of the stage yeah and i don't know if we're gonna have an opportunity on this call but i would certainly love to talk about navigation equipment in in more detail digital versus paper road books kind of where we are on that thought curve as well we've got some things kind of brewing and some ideas for that but uh, i'll let you kind of I'm I'm all up for any subject. That's why I don't. uh, That's why I don't do prep show prep. (laughs) (laughs) Just let it go. So so shoot. What do you what do you what do you guys got? If you're ready to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're running uh, kind of a range of different uh, kind of almost beta testing platforms all the way up to stuff that's that's in market. Um, so if, if you haven't seen, you know, Matthew Glade has, has done a little bit of a teaser on a platform that he's working on, uh, that he's planning to deliver. I think he said sometime early next year. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be trying that out down the road for now. We've got the tower ones, um, from, from, is it RNS that, uh, no, Ico racing Ico. has those. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that has been of all of the platforms, the most, uh, the most dependable for us. There's a few little bugs that are still being worked out. Uh, it's got the best visibility so far. Um, Will, Willem Avenant is announcing and using right now in South Africa uh, a device that he has been working on that uses an Android tablet. I think the visibility is still kind of uh, a question mark, though he apparently has some tablets that have higher visibility. So the, the challenge with, with digital, as you can hear, the theme is, is, is the visibility. And so 
even with the Tower 1, coming back on days where the sun is behind you or overhead, if you have any dust or really even without dust, the, the tablets are hard to see. Mm-hmm. So um, that seems to be kind of the Achilles heel on digital right now is visibility. The convenience almost, to me, outweighs that, though. So the, the ability to load a PDF file in your waypoints right on a T1 or on, this, on these Android platforms is so handy. And you can do it particularly for training because you can get out onto a road book without loading paper, you know, just lickety split and, and be on your way. Um, so that, those are the advantages. The disadvantages are, you, you know, you take down your tower, and if that's your trip, trip meters for your, your Odo and Cap, then you're, then you're kind of dead in the water. Um, but technology is pretty darn stable these days. And, and so it's, you know, that, that's a pretty low risk. Uh, but paper, you know, if you, if you knock your roadbook down and you take off your handle, you can still kind of hand crank and move your, move your chart along. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if somebody can solve the screen visibility problem, which I think it, we're pretty close to doing, um, I, I think we'll, we'll have a solid platform and, and I think Luke Bennett at ICO might might be close. Uh, Willem it might be very close. The Carpe is decent. Uh, ERPF that they're using in in Europe is, uh, uh, I, I believe, is going to be the standard for Dakar um, next year. So it's uh, it's definitely going that way. Yeah, I'd be curious. You know, there there's a couple of things like I I agree with the the convenience of it. My my wish list aside from the visibility, I feel like if there's a film applied to it. The, or, or something that will keep the glare off of it, because that's what it is. It's just the glare from the sun, or yeah. the sun hitting it, and it's a glare. So if there's a way to do it so that you can put something on there that doesn't... Because I've seen... I'm a big fan of the matte finish screen protectors yeah. to get rid of that glossy. Yeah. There's got to be something similar to that or that's less matte. I, you know, I don't know. The, that combination that will help absorb more of the light instead of reflect it back at you and causing that glare. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, somehow Garmin has unlocked this on their Montana platform. So I have Garmin 750 one, or 750i's, I think they are, for our riders that, that can come on and off our bikes if we're doing any kind of uh, GPX routing or waypoint, you know, confirmation stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the brighter the sun, the easier those screens are to see. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. So it, it, it Historically, it's been a trade-off of power to visibility, so you had to pump more juice into these uh, digital roadbooks in order to see the screen. But somehow, like I said, Garmin appears to have unlocked that. So if we can map whatever that screen technology is into the roadbook platforms, I, I think we may have may have solved this problem. Yeah, and I'm a and I'm a tech guy, so this stuff this this gets me excited, and I, I like to be involved in it with it. I've talked to Mike Johnson uh, at Rally Comp about uh, you know kind of incorporating the RCs into the roadbook platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully at some point we'll make some make some headway on that because I, I think to me, Adventure Rally is the is kind of the um, kind of the parallel sport that's developing here. Adventure class riding being the largest growing sector of, of motorcycle sales in, in the U S if not in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of people that love the, the competitive aspect of adventure riding. They, they don't love investing $2,000 in a tower, um, you know, roughly. Um, and so I think if the tower uh, and the road book can be your GPS, your, your, your music system, your, your, you know, uh, your roadbook navigation tool, kind of all in one, Mm -hmm. you know, 
put on there a code so that if somebody unlocks the code during a, during a sanctioned event, that it takes them out of the event, or, you know, things like that. So there's some ideas being thrown around, um, but I think getting RallyComp to kind of marry itself along with the tablet is, is going to be a game changer. It would set U.S. Rally apart uh, for our events, you know, mm-hmm. above and beyond anything yeah. that's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's already the rally comp has already done a lot, especially this new Evo version that Mike has. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I, I love it from I mean, obviously, from the organization standpoint, as when I was race director, I was lucky that my first year as race director it, or my first experience with Baja rally, we were already on the rally comp system. And yeah. and I heard the nightmare that it was before with GPS tracks, overlays and all of this stuff. And I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there for that. But yeah, my my. Uh, it, there's a really funny uh, the the version of the Yellowstone Rally when I first started was mm-hmm. cow tags. So he literally put if you don't know what a cow tag is, yeah. it's the ear tag you put in the ear of a cow so you know what the lot number is for for your your herd. Mm-hmm. And they would put cow tags on the fence post, and then you would once you hit that waypoint, you had to text a phone number with the tag number of the cow tag, <laughs> so to confirm that you had acquired that waypoint. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. low tech, but it works, right? It, it did just, work. It's just it, scalability is not necessarily the best, uh, the best right. for that. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just an interesting uh, kind of a yeah. funny aspect of, of rally, and people people will figure out how to make this work one way or the other. Yeah, exactly. They'll figure out how to get lost and find themselves, and it's just that. But <laughs> yeah, so the other thing I'm thinking is is like, well, I, I'm with you, right? I like the idea of like the Tower One for instance, and, and Ico and those guys know how to build a device. I mean, we know that because their Ico, even their oldest Ico is still working and still out there and is still on bikes all the time. Ryan Narino has them uh, yep. on some of his bikes. And so to me, it's, I would, in my wish list would be is one, either a coating on the screen or some kind of screen, one that you could, um, so you can see it in the sunlight and it's and it, and it doesn't take a separate battery to power it um, right. or you don't have to rewind the stator for it. And right. then and then the other would be is actually go backwards. Keep it simple. Just show me the road book. You know, Ico, RNS, all of these guys have done a great job of creating these devices. I just think I'm like, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Yeah. You know, I would rather have a road book holder or, a road, you know, the equivalent of a road book holder, even if yeah. it is the same size as like an RB801. But make that screen the full size of that RB801, right? No borders, you know that. So you got a really big display to see these three notes, or or maybe we, you know, up the industry standard, and now you can see four notes. Yeah, and yeah, all it, that's all it does. Just show me the roadbook. I don't. No, you're, you're you're spot on. And if you have a phone holder on your bike, or even a RAM mount that you could you could move your phone up there, if the digital failed, and you can put Rally Blitz on your phone mm-hmm. and have two, two trip meters that are still running, you're still in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, you know if that if that device is allowed. But yeah, I think you, you know not to throw any shade on these guys who build this stuff. You know, uh, Mike and. Uh, and uh, and Luke are are engineers and they're fantastic engineers. I think where I can help bring value to the equation is to kind of pull some of these pieces together and and you know instead of these islands of technology and platforms is you know to get them 
out and fluid into these events so that when you show up at events, it's, it's fast and smooth to lock in. Even having the devices on your bikes uh, in advance would be really phenomenal for a lot of riders. I know, I know Rally Comp would sell uh, many of them to, to people that wanted to be set up and go. Uh, and then if Luke could somehow incorporate uh, Rally Comp technology into his platform, that seems to make, make a lot of sense. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of... A lot of different kind of equations or scenarios here that I think, uh, you know, the market or the, the rally riders themselves need to kind of drive like you're like you're saying, you know, you don't want all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, absolutely. If that's if that's the prevailing wisdom, you know, uh, Mike Jorgensen, a um, uh, friend of rally in, in in the in our in our area is uh, with he has Rocky Mountain Tours up in uh, Montana, Montana. Mike is, is kind of his uh, uh, moniker. He has a device he fabbed for the tower one that allows you to mount two trip meters above the tower one. So you literally have that as a backup yeah. and then you could do phone as a backup or whatever. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, I like that. Cause even if, you know, you could, you could bum a note from somebody if you're, if the, for some reason the tower one went out, you know, or, yep. and so there's, there's different, you know, or you're, you know, you got a struggling bike with the electrical system. You're trying to get rid of things, but you know, you need minimum navigational stuff, which, you know, is going to be, uh, you know, at least your, your compass and your trip meter. So, I mean, there, yep. there's, there's valid points for everything. Right. And then you also want to uncomplicate the cock, the cockpit and you want to uncomplicate all the wiring and everything you got to do. So the less devices, the better, you know, yep. in that case. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a fine balance. Um, I, I feel like if there was, uh, something that was specific to just holding the road book, I think that tra- it may make the transition easier um, you know, if it, in, in my particular case, right. in thinking about it, it's like, okay, well, I've already, I've invested on the RNX GFX pros, uh, for the bike. So I've already got two of those. So if I replaced it with a tablet, then I don't really need those. So now what do I do with those? Yeah. I'm sure yeah. I could sell them to them, but you know, I kind of want to hold on to them because they, they're very purpose built, you know? So So that's where I think like, okay, well, maybe some of these guys that have already invested in this, if we could figure out like, hey, if you do a Galaxy tablet with this film on it uh, and then put uh, and then you can control it this way. I mean, like that's, you know, that's something that I've been working on, but that would maybe make it easier because now, yeah, I'm just buying basically a PDF reader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I built right before uh, the Wyoming trip a few weeks ago, I built three completely modular setups using the so rms has a handlebar mount with a battery backpack mm-hmm. that, that all self-contained you don't tap into the bike power for anything it's it's its own entity it, it's got enough power to run a paper road book um so you can you can literally put it on four bolts later you have a full nav tower set up with the paper road book and, and trip meters self-powered which is phenomenal that, that's great. It, it's a it's a low uh, barrier to entry, you know, in terms of uh, setup. When you move up the spectrum into some of this digital stuff and into the you know like the Sonora towers, the cost obviously goes up, and so does the the complexity of tying it into the bike. So, uh, to me, there's a, there are different audiences here. There's the you and I that that ride for you know maybe we blend our bikes for different purposes or we, we dedicate our bikes. So, it, you know, if you dedicate your bike, then a Sonora tower digital roadbook, you know, or paper setup is perfect if, if you hybrid your bike for dual sporting or other other purposes or even you know scrambling it or whatever you do you want that tower off there and ready to, you know for the bike to be used for other things mm-hmm. so i think there's 
different target markets for for different configurations for different yeah. ones yeah i you know, yeah i definitely i definitely agree with that i mean and that was the purpose of for me at least the the 500 is like okay well i'm going on the tower right i'm putting this right now i'm doing it more as a rally light setup because i i feel for a lot of people getting into the sport that's the way to go you know it's just something really basic right off the handlebars nothing fancy and and if you don't like it, you could take it off in 20 minutes and you're back to your regularly scheduled dirt bike. Yeah. You know, so yeah, there, there's, there's a uh, Ram mount uh, with a one and a half inch ball, which is the large ball. This is what we, this is the, my very first road book was an iPad with a one and a half inch Ram ball, mm-hmm. uh, with buttons. And, and that, that's a five minute plug and play situation. Um, so there's, there, there's very, very straightforward solutions. There's just, to me, there's just too many options and it could be a little bit, kind of overwhelming to those kind of coming into to rally and rally adventure is to kind of figure out what makes the most sense to them. So I, I think to the extent we're able to kind of help guide that as a support organization or through your podcast and other ways, I think, I think kind of making method out of the madness is, uh, is going to be, be important for bringing new people in. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with that. And that's actually, I've been thinking about that because going back and, and revisiting, you know, the starting from zero side of things, because I do feel like there has been a lot of people that are, you know, the, the sport I've seen it growing, but now I feel like it's even more so, you know, with more curiosity and more people coming out of the woodwork and saying, Hey, you know, I want to try that. And I think that anything that we can do to make it easier, like, Hey, here, here's the recipe, right? Like here's, here's the YouTube video. That's going to get you from a to B or a to Z, you know, at least that's, this will get you to a starting line or this will get you to your first road book, you know? Right pick your poison, you know, and, and don't blame us for the credit card bill, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. there, there is a lot of stuff out there and you're right. You know, I think like, like you started, you know, with an iPad, with something basic, you know what, it doesn't matter if you can't read it in the sun, you're not trying to race. You're just out riding road books, stop, yeah. change your angle, whatever. Oh, okay. That's the next note. And then you're off to the next, you know? That's right. Yeah. You know, I, I have this kind of lofty dream of an event in the U.S. where people can show up with bare bikes and, and have them equipped. I, maybe not gearing, maybe not some of the more technical aspects of the bike itself. But if you show up with a 500 or a 501 that puts six gears, you know, that's fast enough. Um, and, you know, if the event or us as a support organization can plug and play you and you can you can pay us a few bucks to, to put that on and take it off, then you know, maybe that reduces the barrier to entry for, for a certain segment of, of riders for these, these events. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, it turns into a run, a run what you brung kind of thing, Yep. you know, yep. and, and that will allow people. So that's, and, and that's kind of what I've been looking at with doing this adventure raid stuff is, is taking, being able to take a, a 1200 GS adventure and put a road book holder on it, paper road book, and show guys how to navigate and then go navigate roads here in, in San Diego or here on the West Coast or, or basically create the recipe and then have every because in Europe, it's huge. You look right. and there's, they have these huge events with 60 plus riders that show up manual roadbook holders. And when I'm talking manual, like they didn't even go like the F2R cheapy plastic. No, they like Tupperware with rods across it, you know, yeah. and you know, they, some of them went fancy and they have, you know, yeah, they have an ICO on there and a lot of other guys, they've got, you know, their, their Android phone with the F2R app on it. Mason, I, I think you've heard him tell the story that he used to build uh roadbook readers out of cardboard boxes and, and number two pencils. <laughs> That's how, you know, at a young age, there was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know you got the yeah. bug win. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, 
and speaking of those European organ, you know, organizations and events, you know, rally in Europe, as you, as you've indicated, is 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 ubiquitous there. It's here. It's kind of like, what is that? Uh, and and I think the what is that ism is going to fade into the background here in the next few years. Um, it, it's already happening, especially yeah. as we have young U.S. writers on the big stages uh, internationally. But I'm talking to, you know, Bart at Baz and the Nomad people about, you know, kind of doing some kind of reciprocity program for uh, writer support. So if you if you want to go do X, Y, Z, you know, the, the, the Daenerys rally in Croatia, for example, you you know, we would send you through Nomad or whoever is going there. And then vice versa, if they have writers coming to the U.S., they would route them through through mm-hmm. uh, Freedom Rally. And, through Freedom Rally, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, that's an important aspect because you have um, one is it's very largely known that getting into Rally Raid means you're going to travel and and both in a good, good way and a bad way. For some people, that's like, well, I don't want to travel. But for others, it's like you're going to get to see roads in Baja that Baja legends have literally told me I've been down here years and never been down that road. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you're, or you're going to go to Europe and you're going to see these sites or you're going to go to Wyoming or you're going to go, I mean, anywhere else, the Southern California desert, you're going to go places with rally raid. So I think what, what you guys are doing is important. Yeah. I think this is what you're starting to get into kind of the allure of this. So you, you, you marry the kind of the competitive dynamic with, you know, hitting your waypoints and getting to the finish as being kind of a, you know, a, you know, overcoming adversity type thing. And then actually winning an event, you know, being one of the, the aspirations for, for some people and, or a, winning a stage. And then you combine that with adventure and mountains in the background and oceans, uh, you know, on your right and all that, uh, you know, it, it just adds to the patina of, of this sport in a way that I, I would challenge anyone to find an, another type of activity, motorsport or otherwise that, that comes close to, to what this, this format offers. Yeah. No, and, and you're right. And it, and it would be, it would be very difficult uh, for the for that to happen. The amount of tra- I mean, formula yeah okay Formula One MotoGP and you know but good luck getting on a team and you know unless yeah. you're the guy cleaning the lug nuts at the end of the day you're not going to really get to see. Yes, know, we're actively yeah. seeking a lug nut cleaner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> FYI, yeah, yes, maybe I should no, put like no. a job board on the Chasing Waypoints <laughs> website. <laughs> I, seriously, though, I mean, like literally every event we go to, we have like two people say, "Hey, what can I do to help with the team?" And I don't need paid or you know whatever. It's that that too is just another dimension of this sport. It's like, man, the people that have gotten bit with the bug of this thing, who are so enthusiastic about it, I think at the end of the day, they see what it could do for other people, the adventure that it can open up for people that maybe, uh, you know, have been on their couch wanting to go to Dakar kind of thing. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a really exceptional format. And I will tell you the hardest one logistically that we had so far were the Baja events. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't not go because of the logistical challenge. I would do it a little bit different, but we literally drove from Kansas city to San Quentin, you know, Uber numbers of hours, Uber numbers of gallons of gas. It's hard to get to, but what we can do as an organization is get you to fly to San Diego and get you from there down to those events. Cause you don't want to miss those, the, mm-hmm. the environment and, and the opportunities, the, the formats are, are too good down there uh, for the logistics to be a barrier. So we're trying to eliminate some of those barriers is, is the point. Yeah. To get it. Well, and, that, and, and that's good. And, and I think that um, I really like the idea of what you guys are trying to do in, in basically networking with other teams around the world that can provide the same fly and ride structure. Because yeah. that 
that is important to help grow the sport. I think the biggest thing is, is that, and, and just based on the traction and, and what I've seen from the stuff that I've done and, and getting into rally and that kind of stuff is that there are a lot of people that are curious about it, but the recipe is what needs to be developed. And I'm going to use the term handholding, not in a, in a, like, you know, not in the sense that, okay, you're dumb and you don't know what you're, no, it's just, you're venturing into a new, a new realm and a new sport. And it's kind of like everything we can do to make it easy, painless, to make sure that people don't invest money in the wrong way and the wrong things and, and go overboard when they could just be doing something basic that will help them get into the sport. I think that's the biggest. Yeah. 80% of people avoid things that are intimidating Mm -hmm. just because intimidating even though it's could enrich in their life and, you know, really open up a, a world of opportunity and adventure for them. You know, when you can take down some of that intimidation and, and, and open up those, those, those doors, people are grateful for it, for it. And they'll pay you for it, which is great because we'll, we'll take that money that they pay us and feed these, these young gun riders on their journeys. And it, it, it's got a really good symbiosis uh, in, in that way. So yeah, anything that, that, I can do that, that, you know, we can communicate through your, your mediums to, to help writers understand that this is something that, you know, yeah, it can feel a little intimidating at first, but uh, there are resources and people yourself and others that, that will go overboard to, to make sure that your experience is, is great. I've got, a, I've got a fun story along those lines, if you don't mind me sharing yeah, real quick. No, no. Barrier. So, so um, Stephanie from Mexico City, who came up to do the, the Baja San Quintin, and, and if you know her last name, go ahead. You, you can say it. I don't, I don't recall. Um, but she came up with her bare bones uh, Husky, I think it was 501, uh, to San Quintin, and uh, the wires hanging out, no nav, no setup. Uh, and she was going to do the rally um, one way or the other. And uh, Dave Pearson and others just jumped in that day, the night before the event, and had her fully set up and outfitted with with rally uh, nav equipment ready to go the next morning. And it was her first rally. She's been back to other rallies since. I suspect she she has also gotten the bug, and we'll see her at many more to come. So that that's the camaraderie and the spirit of this sport that's just uh, just unmatchable. I, I think. Yeah, and and it's and that's what makes it fun is everybody everybody in the bivouac, everybody helping each other, and it just it's it's a very different vibe and i think that that's i I think what we're gonna see too is a lot of influx of riders that are baja riders that have been the 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 typical point to point you know sprint race type riders are going to transition to this as they discover that you know what it's actually not as bad as they think and i'm I'm still looking for the magic there's you know we know cost is one thing right and and maybe people don't see the value yet in this whole rally thing but something that blew my mind and to this day still and it was matthew glade that said it he was like just look at the used gear market for rally and i'm like what used gear market exactly and he's like yeah <laughs> that's it so if you need to sell something i can find somebody to sell it to for you but just so take true. a look you know i've i've and i've done it before i've looked for icos on ebay and and marketplace and everywhere and you you don't find them yeah, you don't generally find used rally equipment and it's because, yeah, people get bitten by the bug and it's just and and to this day, every once in a while, I'll just do it just because, you know, it's a Sunday and still there is no which which is phenomenal, which I mean, the things like that is people get into it and they go, this is way better. Yes. Right. You know? This is precisely why we don't buy used uh, uh, rally bikes. 
is because you know if somebody is parting with that, it, it, it they've used up all of the mileage on that. On that, <laughs> she's done. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's not because they just decided to exit the sport. Typically, in most cases, or or aged out or anything like that. It's uh, it's that the uh, it's been road hard and left out wet, as they say here in Kansas. Yeah, no, yeah, clapped out. But you yeah. know, I mean, it's it's and, and it's rebuilding it and and going through it, which that's I mean, that's where I'm I'm at on the on the five hundred one and, and making that happen, but. You know, it's it's part of the fun, you know, and I think that's an important thing of rally, too, is like you're going to ride these bikes for a very long time, a very extended period of time. So you want to make sure that everything is as best as it can be. Yeah. Well, I tell you, we've got Scott Spears that's uh, that's helping with our wrenching. I would I would uh, challenge anyone to find a better uh, motorcycle mechanic in the United States, if not, you know, arguably in the world. And he's he's been asked to join, you know, international teams, has been on international teams. Um, he's doing this uh, kind of in a moonlighting context. Uh, his, his full-time day job is with KTM. Uh, but that that is a, a critical ingredient to the kind of the bike build and setup. If, if you're ever at an event that we're also at, just look at the wiring harnesses um, that, that go up to our Sonora Towers and the way everything is routed and uh, the nip and tuck of every piece on those bikes is, is, is artistic. Um, mm-hmm. And... It, it's, it's really fun. It allows him to kind of express his his inner artist, but at the same time set riders up to make sure, you know, that people are getting home at night to the extent that, uh, that we're able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going yeah. uh, to wrap up because I've got church here uh, in a few okay. minutes. And, uh, so uh, um, yeah. we'll to get back on at any point. Um, there, I, I do want to plug one quick event, August 27th here in Kansas. For those of you who are looking for, the hottest destination that you can find for vacation. Mason uh, and uh, his brother and uh, Mason's girlfriend are planning to fly into Kansas to do an intro to rally here at our moto farm. We have a, a dirt bike farm where we do uh, uh, training and other events. We're having a race there on the Sunday at Air Scramble. But that it, it, it's just I, I also kind of say that tongue in cheek. But the point is, we're still we're working very hard to kind of build our crop of riders out of Kansas. Uh, it just happens to be in conjunction with an event where we'll have some of the pro pro star power here, along with an actual race. If but uh, nice. the that are listening to this in the Midwest. Nice. Yeah, we'll get uh we'll definitely hook up again and and get uh get some more information and then yeah, I definitely want to uh pick uh Scott's brain on some stuff for for the 501. Yeah. So Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I would encourage you to have Scott on. Uh, it, just his richness of experience in Dakar, what it means for a mechanic to stay up all night and have the rider ready and then uh, just the commitment to as close to perfection as you can get for a, for a rally equipped bike is, is it's just a fun conversation to have. And, and he'll go on. He, yeah. he, he can talk longer than I can. If you yeah. that. All right. Well, well, warm up, let, let him know the invites coming. I'm going to reach out yeah. to him on Facebook. <laughs> just to me while we we're talking. So uh, yeah, absolutely. And Victor, awesome. thanks for all you're doing for the sport. I really appreciate you. It was great to meet you in, in, in Baja and I look forward to seeing you out on the trail. Absolutely. Thank you, Robert. Enjoy. Right. Yeah. Take all care, right. buddy. All right. You too. See you. Bye. All right. All right, so there you have it. Robert Mann, Freedom Rally Racing, Kansas Rally Team. So really awesome to see. I mean, really good people. And yeah, their their pit setup and everything they've got going on is is really, really awesome. I saw it firsthand at Sanking Teen and what they've been doing. And he's right. And, and what we left the show or what we left talking on uh, with Scott Spears uh, at the helm working on these bikes and all that stuff. Just watching his videos and what he's doing in the trailer, which is really awesome because in the trailer, he's got his whole workshop set up. Um, you know, 
he's able to do so much on these bikes and get these bikes dialed in. And that I think is very, very important. Again, something that we talked about when you go rally racing, when you go into these rally raid adventures, you're going to be on the bike for a long time. So, uh, when we were talking earlier about how the 450 RFR, uh, feels better for longer distances, is more stable, less fatiguing, that kind of thing. That is absolutely huge, uh, when it comes to riding. So having a reliable bike is absolutely huge. So if you guys are listening and you're thinking about getting into the rally raid sport and, and getting into this, uh, the best thing, the best advice I can get you is look at the gear, you know, talk to Matthew Glade at Rally Moto Shop, uh, get some of the, get, get the basics, you know, here's a, just a solid performing navigation setup, you know, right off the handlebars. That's what I'm doing on my 501, just, you know, because I want to go that route. I have the, the Moto Minded Tower for the front of the bike. I've got all of that set up. The plates are still on there and everything, but I, I want to go this route because this is what I'm what I'm talking to people about, and this is what I want to show. That is actually a very simple setup that you can do. So you've got the recipe, you know, a, a real basic navigation kit uh, that will work. Not super fancy roadbook holder. You know, you've got at least one ICO on there, that kind of thing. But then spend some time on the bike. Make the bike comfortable. Fuel range is big. Suspension is big, and a comfy seat is big. So make sure your gearing is, is set for long range, you know, that you're going to be going out there. A lot of these roads and stuff like that, you know, you got to think fast fire roads. You've got to think uh, flowy washes and things like that. The fun stuff that you enjoy riding is the majority of what rally raid events target. Now, there are some rally raids like Sonora Rally that's got access to some really gnarly dunes right there in the local area. So you're going to see a little bit more of that, which is totally fine. But... Um, you know, like I said, the majority of the events that you're going to go to, you're going to find that, that they tend to be more flowy and fun and that kind of stuff. So if you're curious about getting into rally, don't be afraid to hit me up. I'm happy to connect, help connect people and get people, uh, pointed in the right direction and getting you into the sport because you know what? It's not that bad. And, and like Matthew told me, just look at the used gear market. There is no used gear. There is no used gear market that's got to say something so on that note guys it's sunday my watch is reminding me it is time to get into the garage and get back on project 501 so for those of you tuned in thank you very much you guys are going to be hearing this uh at the end oh first week of august already so i hope you guys have uh, been tuning in and all of the previous episodes let me know what you guys think and then do not forget if you're listening to the podcast head over to the instagram there is a link up in the link in bio and you can get directly in contact with me. If you've got any questions, if you've got any, anything, anybody that you want to nominate to be onto the show, that's your, that's the ticket. That's the way in. And I am looking forward to hearing from you guys. So with that being said, hope everybody is having a great Sunday and uh, we will see you guys next week. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Bye.